When I was in high school, I played soccer, and I had this one coach who was absolutely insane. This guy would scream his head off. He had a vein that would start popping out of the side of his head that had its own zip code. It was just like scary. And, and, and his, he had these really blue eyes, just naturally had these very you know, striking deep blue eyes. But when he yelled, they got deeper and bluer, you know, I swear. And you'd, you'd be looking at him. And, and I remember eventually we just started to tell each other, like, don't look into his eyes, you know. You're going to turn it to stone, you know, just because this guy would just freak out on you. I remember one day, we're at a Christian school, right? I, was, I went to a Christian school playing soccer there. And we were playing a public school. And our coach was screaming at us so loudly one day that one of the public school kids on the other team said, is your coach the devil? And we looked back and we were like, we don't know. But don't look into his eyes, right? Just, just, just be careful, right? And, and I remember that this coach just always pushed us so hard. I mean, it didn't matter. Like, not even on a game day, just practice. He would scream at us as we're running around the field. I mean, how do you mess up a lap around the field? Like, I don't know how you run a lap wrong, but somehow we did it because he just keeps screaming at us, right? And I remember thinking as a kid, you know, when's the last time you ran a lap, coach? You know, I mean, I would never say that because I would have turned to stone. But uh, I remember just thinking, when's the last time you did any of this? You know, I mean, you're over there drinking your coffee, eating your donuts, right? And you're yelling at me with your big gut and you're telling me I'm out of shape, right? I mean, when's the last time you ran a lap? Like when Lincoln was in the administration, you know, I mean, and, and, and I just remember it made the laps, it made the workout, it made the difficulty of those practices that much worse because you just knew he had no idea what it was like. He hadn't done any of this in many, many years, if ever. And you just remember running and thinking, man, you got no idea what you're talking about. You're all safe and warm over there. You got your food. You're all happy. And we're out here doing all the work. You have no idea what it's like. And you know what? I think when it comes to the difficulties and this issue of difficulties in our lives, a lot of us feel like that when it comes to God. It's like, God, I'm here suffering. I'm here in the midst of all these difficulties, and you are just safe up in heaven. You're just kind of doing your God thing. You're just kind of happy and safe and warm and cuddly, and just, just everything's good for you today. And here I am going through all these difficulties. You can't relate to what I'm going through. I mean, just some things that maybe some of us in the room are struggling with just off the cuff tonight is maybe some of you guys, some of you young, younger people are just thinking, you know, my parents just don't get me. Like, that's the cause of my biggest struggle in life right now is that my parents don't get me. They don't understand me. They don't get what I'm going through. They, they don't understand why I do the things I do. They just completely don't get me. And, and, and you may say, well, yeah, I go to church, and my youth pastor tells me, you know, pray, or I come here, and you tell me, oh, just bring that problem to God. And, and it feels like when you bring that problem to God, it's like, you have no idea what I'm going through. Like, you don't know what it is that your parents not get you. Like, like this is completely foreign to you, you know? Others of us, are struggling with some severe temptation. Just have this huge temptation in our life. It's like every day we wake up only to fight the temptation. You ever felt like that before? Like, like you only wake up to just battle your way through the day and then when you put your head on the pillow at night and you sleep, it's like a little bit of peace and then you wake up and then you gotta battle your way through the temptation again. And sometimes it just feels like God expects so much of us, but he really has no idea what it feels like to go what we go through. You know, again, it just kind of feels like he's safe and he's good and he's off doing his thing. And here we are having to not buckle under the pressure of the temptation and the struggles in our lives. Some of us, our biggest difficulty right now is rejection and broken relationships. Like we've just been cast out by people who shouldn't have cast us out. We've been really hurt by people that we thought we'd always be tight with. We felt rejected. We felt 
Like these relationships have been completely destroyed and they, they may never go back to what they were before. Some of that, that's our biggest difficulty. Some of us, and if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is probably you and maybe even some of us that are followers of Jesus. Our, one of our big struggles is, is church people. Like we've been really hurt by church people. We've been treated in ways that we never thought we'd be treated by people who say they follow Jesus. And so that's our biggest difficulty. That's our biggest struggle right now. That's the thing we don't get. And, and we look at God and we say, God, how can your people act like this? And maybe we, we pray and we, we say, God, if you're there, show me. But man, I don't see how you can relate to what I'm feeling right now. If only you could see the way your people, the people who are supposed to represent you well, treat me. Maybe you would change your mind too. Some of us, are, our biggest difficulty right now is just physical pain. We've been sick for a long time. We've been going through something for a long time. We've been, you know, some kind of infirmity, some kind of thing we just didn't see coming, and that difficulty carries us. And again, we just kind of maybe shake our fist at God. God, why? Why haven't you stopped this yet? Why haven't you answered this prayer yet? Why am I still going through this difficulty? And you know, I think this is so important for us to talk about. This kind of stuff so big because I think that so often when we feel like God can't relate to our suffering and our difficulties, we just simply get angry at him, like I got at my coach, right? Or it makes the suffering, it makes the difficulty unbearable, right? I mean, running around that field became unbearable just because the guy yelling at us constantly wasn't in our shoes. If he was in our shoes, maybe it would have been a little more joyful. Maybe I would have been able to keep my head up a little bit more and not have a heart that was full of anger. But just because it felt like he was so far removed from where the rest of us were living, it just made it unbearable. And sometimes as we suffer and we have these difficulties in our lives, we feel like, this would be a lot easier if I felt like the God I pray to could relate to what I've been through. And so tonight, I want to kind of point out the fact that maybe, just maybe, God gets it. Maybe he gets us more than we think. Maybe he gets our struggles more than we know. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus and you're just thinking, I, this is my biggest struggle. It's just that God is off doing his own thing and here I am kind of just feeling alone and by myself and I just wish I knew somebody who walked in my shoes, somebody to help me through this, somebody to sympathize with me, somebody to walk with me through that process. There's nothing worse, right, than getting advice from someone who has no idea what it's like to be in your position, right? Years ago, I was in this band, and our name was Pulse, and we were kind of like this stomp ripoff, right? And we would travel all over the eastern seaboard. Any church that would let us come, we would bring our pots and pans and our fences and our shovels and our brooms and all this stuff, and we would, we would tour around. And we, nothing cooler than driving a mom's station wagon, you know, touring with the guys. And we had this big trailer behind us, and we broke down in the middle of Pennsylvania with all of our equipment and all of our stuff, and it was snowing out, and it was just terrible. And I remember we had to push the car with the trailer attached up a hill and down this, like this, little, this little hill that went down to a gas station. And I remember we finally got it up and over. And I'm talking middle of winter, freezing, snow on the ground. We finally got everything up and over the hill. And it's, now we're coasting down the hill. My car cannot drive. The station wagon's done, right? Can't drive. So it's coasting down the hill. As the station wagon is coasting, we decide it might be a little bit easier if the, if the, if the trailer isn't attached to it. So we take the trailer off, and, and me and my buddies are pulling the trailer down the street now at this point. In the station wagon, we got it kind of coasting again and made it to the guest. But we're pulling the, the trailer down the street. And this woman, I'll never forget, she stops by us, and she rolls down her window, and she looks at our license plate on the trailer. She goes, your license plate's dangling. <laughs> I was like, I'm pulling a trailer with my hands. 
Does anything seem right about this? You know, you have no idea what you're talking about. You're really going to nitpick the license plate right now. Okay. Can I pull this trailer into your car? I mean, it's nothing worse than somebody who nitpicks at the little things when they have no idea what's going on. And so often, doesn't it feel like a little bit like maybe that's what God does, right? He's, he's pointing out, okay, you're struggling here, but, but God, I'm tempted. Okay, why are you getting angry? I mean, God, I'm still physically suffering. Why are you freaking out on your parents? Because, God, you just don't get it. You don't understand what it's like to feel what I feel. And so tonight we're going to look and see if that's true. Does God know what it's like? Can he relate to you? Does he know what it is to suffer? Does he know what it is to go through difficulty? We're going to look at a book written by a guy named Luke tonight. And Luke is an awesome follower of Jesus. And the amazing thing about Luke was that he was a physician, okay? And he got introduced to Jesus by this guy named Paul. And he started to really investigate Jesus. And he, the whole purpose of Luke writing, he tells us, was so that we wouldn't have to doubt. That he looked into all the details and he ironed everything out and, and he looked at everything from the beginning and he looked at, interviewed all the eyewitnesses and everybody to say, okay, could a man come back to life? Could all these events about Jesus be true? And the great thing about Luke, because he was a physician, is that he really helps us see the human side of Jesus. He helps us see the man, Jesus. I mean, because Jesus was fully God, but he was fully man. And we start thinking about that too long, and the smoke start comes out, starts coming out of our ears. I get that, right? But, but here's this fully God, fully man. And, and Luke really narrows and focuses in on the man side of who Jesus was. And as you read through Luke, you start to realize, I think, that maybe Jesus can relate to you more than you thought. And so we're going to look at what Luke has to say. Because he starts to tell us about Jesus, God come in the flesh, and this life that he lives. And so earlier I mentioned that some of us are freaking out a little bit in life right now. Our, our biggest difficulty comes from this, this strife at home because our parents don't get us. Well, I want to read a few verses with you in, in Luke chapter 2. Because Jesus' parents, every year, he and his family, they went back to this festival in Jerusalem, okay? And, and this one time, some of you guys know the story, right? They, they left without him. They forgot him. They left him at the temple, right? And I love when Joey spoke about this verse a while back. It's pretty bad if you're God's parents and you lose them. Like, that can't go well for you. It doesn't look good, all right? God's gonna have words with you probably one day about that. But they lose Jesus, okay? And so they're running back. Now, we, we gotta go easy on, on Mary and Joseph because they were traveling with friends and family, a huge caravan. Still, they left their firstborn. Anyway, um, and so they, they leave Jesus, right? And they're, they run back and they're trying to find Jesus and they're, they're looking all over for him and then they find him in the temple and he's talking and asking questions, and he's learning. And look at this exchange in Luke 2, verse 48. It says, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Jesus is sitting there going, you don't get me. You don't, don't, don't you get me? Don't you understand what I'm doing? Look at verse 49. Why are you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they, look, look what this says, so powerful. You probably missed this. They did not understand what he was saying to them. For some of us teenagers, some of, some of us still living at home, this is a huge source of conflict and difficulty in our life right now. My parents don't understand me. They don't get me. And here's Jesus, who lived in your shoes one day. That's so crazy, isn't it? He understands what it's like for your parents not to understand you. He gets what it's like for your parents not to get you. Maybe the reason 
your parents don't get you isn't because you sit in church and talk theology at age 12. Maybe it's because you stole something or you did something you shouldn't have done or your grades aren't quite what they should be or whatever it might be. But, but here's a way that Jesus can relate to you. And I love the next part of the verse in verse 51. It says, look at this. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. You ever have that moment as a teenager? You ever have that, that moment as somebody's still living at home and, and your parents say something and you just got to take a deep breath and you got to do what they say? Jesus gets that. Some of you, that's your whole life right now. Some of you, if that wasn't an issue in your life, you'd, you, you're like, I'd be having a great life if that wasn't an issue for me right now. But you know that you can pray to Jesus. You can pray to God who gets that. He understands that dynamic and that difficulty. A few minutes ago, I talked about temptation. Some of us, that's our life right now. We live each day to fight off temptation and try to do the right thing. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I hope you know that's not the whole story. The goal of a Christian is not to fight off temptation. The goal of a Christian is to know Jesus and to believe in him as their savior. And it's not about earning your way to God, but once you're in that relationship with God, you wanna do the right thing, and we're called to do the right thing. And, and sometimes there's this incredible temptation, and we shake our fist at God, and I want you to just think about your number one temptation right now. You ever, you ever just like have a conversation like this with God? God, when will this end? God, why haven't you stopped this? If you love me and I'm trying to do the right thing, why have you still allowed this temptation to continue? Well, let's look at Luke 4. A little while later in Jesus' life, it says this, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Now, a couple of things stick out to me about that. First off, who led him into the wilderness? The Spirit. So, so God led him, the God, the, or, I'm sorry, God the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. So this was a plan. This was on purpose. The temptation was part of God's plan here. And then, I don't know about you, but Man, so often we hear about like the three temptations, you know what I mean? Like the three popular ones that the Bible brings up here and they kind of name them. But it doesn't say that. I mean, uh, those, those are, you know, he's, they're going to talk about that in a second. But look what it says. It says he was 40 days tempted by the devil. It doesn't say he got tempted three times. He, they tell us three of those temptations. But for 40 days, Jesus, while fasting, is tempted by the devil. And then I love the next part. It says, he ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. You have to love when the Bible states the obvious, right? You know, like, wait, what? Hungry? 40 days, right? But then Satan tempts him with some food, right? He says, hey, do this, do that, turn this into food, right? And, and then two more temptations, kind of the famous ones we hear about. And, and Jesus is starving, and Jesus, everything within him wants to eat, and Jesus, with everything within him, wants to be, you know, worshipped as God, and wants to have dominion over, like, the cities. And, and I mean, all the things. Jesus wanted those things. Like, do you understand that? Like, the things that Satan was tempting him with, and those are just the three we know. Jesus wanted those things as bad as you and I want the things we're tempted. And obviously, Jesus was fully God, and so he didn't give in. But he gets it, guys. He gets temptation. He understands what you and I walk through every single day. So when you feel alone and you feel like God can't relate, you can pray to the one who was tempted just like you are. And look at verse 13. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. So this means Jesus was tempted for the 40 days, we get the three kind of outlined temptations, and then he'd be tempted again. And so Jesus didn't just go through a time of tempting, but he was 
tempted over and over again, just like you and I are. So you don't have to shake your fist at God if you're tired of the temptations. You can actually walk with God through them because he, re- he relates to you. He gets it. I mentioned a while back rejection and broken relationships. Some of you guys are living there. Some of you guys, that's what your life is right now. You're just feeling so rejected by someone. You, you, the girlfriend recently broke up with you. The boyfriend recently broke up with you. The spouse recently you found out it wasn't what, it, what you thought it was all along. I mean, just, just maybe thing after thing, the friendship, the stab in the back, passed over at work. You thought you and the, the boss were on good, you know, good terms, and suddenly he went with somebody else for the promotion, whatever it might be. Rejected, broken relationship. Well, Jesus, in the very next verse after we just read, he goes back to his hometown. He goes back to Nazareth and, and Galilee where he grew up, and he sees lots of familiar faces. And this is what he says to all the familiar faces. He says, hey, I'm the son of God. And as you can guess, some people didn't quite like that. It'd be like, you know, you or I walking back to, you know, for me, Huntington Station. And just, hey, hi, guys. Hope, hope you're doing well. I'm the son of God, by the way. You know, I mean, people have some issues, especially at Huntington Station. Um, and so he walks back and he says that. And look at the response, verse 28. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd, and he went on his way. So Jesus gets rejection. He, there were people in that crowd he grew up with. There were people in that crowd that he knew. I mean, we know his own brothers and his own family didn't believe in him. And then later, two of them wrote that he was the son of God. That happens after you raise back from the dead. But, but initially, he was rejected, and he had broken relationships. And some of us get that. Um, this past Monday was the anniversary, one year anniversary of my mom passing away, and so I wanted to write my mom's mother, uh, who lives down in Virginia, and just, I just wanted to text her and say, hey, you know, I love you, praying for you, and so, so I sent her this text, you guys can, I don't know if it's, it might be a little, you know, a little small, but it's, it's, a, it's a praying for you today, grandma, love you, and, and I figured she'd, you know, she'd really, you know, think that was heartwarming, and she'd write back and tell me I'm the greatest grandson, and, you know, I, I'm getting the inheritance, and I mean, you know, just all that, you know, and, um, I, I waited, and I didn't really hear back, and then I waited a few more minutes, and then I got this reply back. <laughs> Wrong number. Wrong number. And, and so I thought it was really funny, and some of you guys saw that on Facebook and Twitter probably, because I, I thought it was so funny I, I put it up there. But, but one of my Facebook friends alerted me to a possibility I hadn't thought of before. I just, I just took it for what it was, but she said, that's sad your grandma doesn't want to talk to you. <laughs> and I was like, wait a sec. Grandma, right, right? Now, some of us, now, your grandma can't reject you, right? That's just wrong. I think when anybody rejects you, everybody on earth, but a grandma stands by your side, right? But you know what? Some of us know, some of us know the reality of the rejection. We know the reality of the brokenness, and Jesus completely gets it. There was a time in our life we weren't cool enough, we weren't funny enough, we weren't smart enough, we weren't athletic enough, and we got rejected for it. And Jesus completely and totally understands that rejection even when it's unfounded. I mean, Jesus, the perfect son of God, was rejected. There was nothing in him that was wrong. There was no flaw there. It was completely unfounded. And so he gets it. When you and I, whether we're rejected because of a right reason or a wrong reason, it's never right to be rejected, but, but whether it's completely ridiculous or not, he understands those broken relationships. I mentioned earlier that one of our difficulties, maybe some of us in the room, is that we've been mistreated by church people. We've been mistreated by people who are supposed to be different. They're supposed to be loving. They're supposed to be kind. They're supposed to be like God. You know, Jesus gets that. Look at uh, 
Luke 5 with me. Jesus met a man named Levi, and Levi was a tax collector, and everybody hated tax collectors because they ripped everybody off, and, and the religious leaders especially hated the tax collectors because the religi- religious leaders thought they were the best, and they were completely self-righteous, and so we see in Luke 5, 29, it says this, then Levi, who's Matthew, who had, a, had this, uh, he, he was a tax collector, held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. And Jesus just walks right in, Right? But, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? So they're giving Jesus a hard time. Saying, Jesus, why do you hang out with these people who are unholy, they're unrighteous? Why are you with people that are, are not church folk, right? Jesus says, it's not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus gets it. When church people look at him funny. Jesus gets what that's like. So some of you guys have experienced that. Some of you guys have walked into church. Some of you guys haven't been to church in a long time and you're, you came back tonight, you got some guts and you walked through the door, but you're very cautious and you're very suspicious because of how you've been treated before. And Jesus completely gets that. I mean, church people would eventually kill Jesus. Religious people would eventually put Jesus ultimately on the cross. And so Jesus understands it. And so if you're here tonight shaking your fist at God, saying, you don't get it. I've been treated so wrongly by your people. First off, let me say, I'm sorry that that's happened, and I'm sorry that's some of your stories. But I hope tonight that's not an accurate reflection of who God is. And he completely understands what it's like to be mistreated by those who are supposed to be his followers. And so tonight you have a God that can relate with you. Maybe that's the one thing you have in common with Jesus tonight. But it's a starting point. Lastly, I said earlier that some of us, our biggest difficulty right now is physical pain. We're suffering. We're struggling. Physical pain's horrible. I can tell you from everything that Kelly's been through is that physical pain is so tough and when it just hangs on for years and years and some of you guys are going through stuff that's been somewhat chronic. When it hangs on for years and years, it's so difficult because it doesn't just hurt physically. It hurts emotionally. Church people even begin to say some stupid things, like if you only had enough faith and if only, you know, you believed in God more and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's a difficult emotional, physical weight to be sick or to be physically ill for a long time. And some of you guys are feeling that pain. Some of you guys have different physical issues and you're just, again, God, why haven't you stopped this? Why haven't you healed me? Why haven't you changed this issue in my life? And you know, Jesus can relate to your physical pain. I mean, just one verse points it out. Luke 23, 33 says, when they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. This place called the skull, Golgotha, right? That's where they brought Jesus. That's where they strapped him to the cross and then they drove nails through his hands and his feet. And that was after all the beatings and the whippings and the spitting and everything else they did to him. Cicero, who was a philosopher and politician, in ADBC said this, far be the very name of a cross, not only from the body, even from the thought, the eyes, the ears of a Roman citizen. What was he saying? Cicero was saying, the cross is so horrific and so disgusting and so terrible. His, his prayer, his plea was that a Roman citizen would never even hear of a crucifixion, never see a crucifixion because it was just that terrible. And here is Jesus getting on the cross sacrificing his life, feeling physical pain, not to belittle what any of you have been through, but like nothing you or I have ever felt. And so you have a God who can relate 
to your physical pain. You have a God who can look at you in the eyes and say, I get it. I understand what you're feeling. I understand what you're going through. I know that it hurts. And so what I think we need to take away from tonight is just a simple thought that Jesus can relate to your difficulties. I, ne- I mentioned five different ways tonight, five different areas, but I'm telling you, if you search through the scriptures, if you maybe read through the book of Luke yourself, I bet if I missed yours, you could find it in there. You could find the way Jesus suffered like you've suffered. You could find the way that he's been through the difficulties that you've been through. And I don't know about you, but suddenly I can turn a corner in my relationship with God when I have a God who can relate to me. When I have a God who can say, I've walked where you've walked. When I was in college, I played soccer and I had another coach. And this coach was a great coach. And often he would run all the drills with us. He wouldn't just stand over there and do his thing and be all safe and warm and drink his coffee. He would put all that down and he would strap on his sneakers, man, he'd come running out there and we'd be running up and down all over Nyack and hills and mountains and doing all this crazy stuff and running drills and and he would be right there with us. And I can tell you this, because he was with us, because he could relate to the pain and the struggle and the growth that was going on and there was a joy in doing it. It was so different than playing for that coach in high school who had no idea what we were going through. And this guy, though we didn't have to do any of that, just decided, you know what, so I can walk with them, so I can relate to them, so that I can know what they're feeling. I'm gonna do what they're doing. And guys, that's what Jesus did. You see, I think one of the amazing things about Jesus is that he didn't just come and die for us. I'm not belittling him dying for us. That's huge, that's everything, right? And if Jesus had come and died for us, we'd still be amazed and and in awe, but he didn't just do that. No, he was born as a little baby, and he grew up in a home so he could look a teenager in the eyes and say, I know what it's like to not have your parents get you. And he lived through the teenage years and and the early 20s and where there's just temptation after temptation. Every time you turn around, there's a new temptation in those years, right? And I'm not saying you don't get tempted when you're older, but those years are intense. I mean, he could have come and just died on the cross and been out, but he walked through those years so he could relate to you. We have a God who suffered broken relationship. After broken relationship, some of his closest followers, all of his closest followers are banning him at one time or another. The people he grew up with trying to kill him, he gets it. He gets the rejection and he gets the brokenness. He gets what it looks like to to look at somebody. And we all have all had this feeling where you're just like, I can't believe the relationship got here. I can't believe this is where we are today. He knows what it's like to be mistreated by church people, by people who should never act that way. And he knows what it's like to have physical pain in his body. And he didn't have to experience any of it. First of all, he didn't have to come for us at all. He didn't have to die for us at all. But he didn't have to go the extra mile and walk through all of that. I think he did it so he could grab our attention as we suffer and grab our attention as we have difficulties And he could say, I do get it. I can relate. I do understand all that you're going through, all that you're feeling. And this isn't a standalone message. You might be saying, yeah, but he could have just done done away with suffering and difficulties altogether. Yeah, but in all the other parts of the series, we've been talking about what what God's doing and what he's producing. And I'm going to remind you a little bit about that next week. But, But man, tonight we have to understand that no matter where we walk, no matter what we've been through, no matter what we will go through, 
we have a God who didn't just want to die for us, but we have a God who wanted to relate with us. Whenever I am really trying to get my kids' attention, I say, guys, look me in the eyes. Landon, look at me. Look at me in the eyes. What, what that? Look me in the eyes. No, no, no. I, 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 right? Look, Landon, and I grab his face eventually. You will look me in the eyes. He's like, like oh, right? Look me in the eyes, right? I tell you, if, if I could tonight, I, 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 think, I think God's trying to say, spiritually, so to speak, look me in the eyes. Look me in the eyes. I have something important to tell you. Not look me in the eyes. I think God's trying to say, Look him in the eyes and see that his eyes are compassionate. And he gets it. And he understands and he relates. And when we get this, suddenly we can go through those same difficulties with some joy. The anger can begin to melt away. The unbearable load that we felt as we walked through the difficulty begins to fall off a little bit. Because we just know somebody who gets us. I tell you, the God who created you and the God who suffered for you and gave his life for you and walked in every ounce of your shoes gets you and wants you to know tonight that he can relate to all of your difficulties. Let's pray. God, we just come to you wanting to know you better, wanting to be more free. God, wanting to just be able to take steps towards you tonight. Maybe there's people in the room tonight that have heard this stuff for the first time, and maybe there's those of us that just needed a reminder tonight, God, that you know what it's like, that you've walked where we've walked. God, I pray tonight that we would spiritually, so to speak, look you in the eyes and see your compassion and see your love and see that you understand right where we are. If you're a follower of Jesus, I would just encourage you to maybe go to God and, and bring him. If there are any ways in your heart that you've been shaking your fist at God because you just think he's up there safe and sound and calm and just in this perfect, you know, paradise and, and doesn't have any idea what it is to be in your shoes, would you just bring him those areas of your life? Would you allow him to relate to you tonight? You see, sometimes we got to let somebody relate to us. Today, my daughter Bryn was walking through the house and she ended up running into one of the chairs and she hurt her leg and she fell down on the ground and she was crying. And, and I kept saying, honey, come here, come here. Let me, let me take care of you. Come here, come here. And she, she just wouldn't. She wouldn't come over to me. She wouldn't kind of let me relate with her and, and, and take care of her in the midst of her pain. And some of us guys, if we're honest, we're, we're acting like her. We're, we're shaking our fist and we're, we're angry and, and we, we, we got to let God relate to us. We got to let him Take care of us. We got to let them be able to look us in the eyes and say, I get your pain. Now let me bring healing. So would you just surrender those difficulties to God? Would you surrender those areas of your life? I'm not telling you to stop praying for healing. I'm not telling you to stop praying your relationship with your parents would get better. I'm not saying give up and just walk through the pain. God gets it. But I'm saying as long as you walk through the pain, know that he gets it and he can relate to you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I just want to give you the opportunity to respond to God tonight as your Savior. You heard me talk a lot tonight about what Jesus did for you. You heard me say it's not about pleasing him and earning love from him, but it's about what he did on the cross. And then it's about knowing him, believing in him, 
I just want to give you a chance to put your faith in him if you'd like to. So if you'd like to do that, would you just quietly pray something like this to him? Jesus, thank you for coming to save me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me in my place. Thank you for removing my sin. Thank you that salvation is a gift. And thank you that I'll be in heaven with you. But God, more than that, thank you that you know what it's like to suffer. You know what it's like to go through difficulty. You know what it's like to hurt. And I pray, God, that I would see how real you are right here and right now in the midst of these difficulties. In your name I pray. Amen.